Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. message this morning is the certainty of uncertainty, and I just want you to know that I came, I mean, the Lord put this on my heart to share before any of this stuff with George Floyd even happened. Uh, th- this, is, this has been on my heart for a while, and, and I thought it's time to address, you know, I've talked the last couple of weeks about, about how to live this life in the, in the power of Christ, but I wanted to address you know, I was, I've been addressing stuff in here, and, and during that nine weeks that we did the online stuff, I was talking about the crisis that we're in, but I haven't done it since we've been back together. And so I wanted to take this morning to, to talk about what I'm calling the, uh, the certainty of uncertainty. Do you remember a time, or maybe the time, when you came to the conclusion, when you came to the realization that you weren't in control of pretty much anything. <laughs> the older I get, the more I understand that the less I'm in control of. And if you haven't reached that conclusion yet, uh, I'm, I'm going to pop your bubble this morning. Uh, I just want you to understand that you're really not in control. And uh, we're pretty, not in control of pretty much anything. And in the United States, we've lived in this kind of a, an illusion bubble uh, of being in control, but we're watching that crumble before our very eyes right now. Who would have even dreamed that last week we would be where we are this morning? Even Dayton and Columbus, I, I've read stuff, uh, heard stuff. Um, I, was, I went last night to, uh, uh, to, to get a movie and uh, heard the clerks talking about the violence in Dayton, throwing bricks off of overpasses on incoming traffic. I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. They, were, they actually closed interstates and highways in Dayton. But age and time and life experience le- leads to either disillusionment, despair, or wisdom. And the longer I live, the more I realize that I'm not in control of things or people or circumstances or outcomes. And even the Lord has limited his control. I, I, I hear not a week goes by that I don't hear the words, God is in control. And I just want to tell you that's not true. That may be a shock to some of you. But he's not in control. He could be. He is sovereign. He did create everything, and he can, he can work everything the way he wants to. But because love demands a choice, he scaled back his sovereignty. He scaled back his control. Now, he's still in charge. He's still in charge, but he's not in control. Just like um, I'm in charge of my home, my wife and I share those responsibilities of being in charge of our home, but, you know, we're... We're parents, we're homeowners, and I'm going to tell you something. I may be in charge of my home, but I am not in control. The kids misbehaved when they were little. They weren't bad, but they misbehaved. Furniture was broken. Lamps were knocked over. <laughs> um, appliances. 
I have replaced refrigerators, dryers, washers, hot water heaters, uh, automobiles. I mean, you know, you name it, and, and it's either gone bad or, 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 or stopped working. And so if I was in, in control, none of that would happen, right? None of that would happen. The cat wouldn't pee on the carpet, you know? I mean, if I was in control, but I'm not in control, I'm in charge. You know, if, if we say that God is totally sovereign and that he is totally in control, then that makes him responsible for the death of George Floyd. It makes him responsible for all the riots that are happening and all the destruction that's happening around this country right now. It makes him responsible for the pandemic, for every war that's ever been fought, for the fall of man, and every sin, illness, accident that's ever happened. And I don't think he's that kind of God. I don't think he can be good and holy and be responsible for sin, disease, disaster, war, and death, and other things like that. I just don't think that's possible. We live in a world that's been ravished by sin and the fall and the ruler of this world that, that Jesus came to unseat. But Adam and Eve handed the keys of this earth that we were supposed to rule over to Satan when they disobeyed God in the garden. It's really sad. But he took kind of control, or well, he became in charge. He's still not in control. But, but he, he took the keys to... The rule of this earth and, he, and, and the things that you're seeing right now are a result of that. So this morning, I just, I just have to say this. My first point is not a very encouraging point. <laughs> and that is this. In this world, bad things will happen. They just simply will. Bad things will happen. And there's two responses to this, basically two responses. I mean, anger's a response. Yeah, we're seeing some of that right now. But in terms of the long term, there seem to be basically two ways to respond to this. Either fear, which is anything from anxiety to terror, anything from worry to complete and total despair, or faith. So fear on the one hand, faith on the other where we trust in the Lord and we take refuge in Him. Right? You know, I I know that some people live their lives waiting for the other shoe to drop. Do you understand what that phrase means? They, They live their lives waiting for something bad to happen. And they try to insulate themselves from that and they, they work really hard to try to control everything around them so that the shoe doesn't drop on them. So they try to control their kids, which causes their kids to rebel often. They try to control their spouse. They try to control finances, health, everything. And uh, it's, it's absolutely exhausting, and it doesn't work. If you're in that camp, please just give up on that. You know, Jesus, on his last night with his disciples, as he's kind of winding up his, his discussion with his disciples at the Last Supper, he says this to them. I've told you all of this, all the things he said. He said a lot of stuff, and he talked a lot about 
the Holy Spirit that he was going to send, who would be with us and be our comfort. He says, you know, I'm, I'm going to be crucified. I'm about to leave. I'm about to go back to the Father. But I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send, I'm going to come back to you, and I've been with you. The Spirit's been with you in me. We're going to come back and make our home in you, so we'll be with you forever. Amen. Wonderful news. And so he says, I've, I've, I've told you all this, that you may have peace. Look at the little prepositional phrase at the end of that sentence, in me. That's the only peace there is in this world, guys. Amen. Peace in him. That's the only peace that we have. But that's the peace, that's all the peace that we need. Peace is not the absence of war, absence of conflict, absence of crisis. Peace is being in Jesus and, and trusting in Him and taking refuge in Him, come what may. In this world, Jesus says, this is Jesus talking here. In this world, you will have many trials and sorrows. Some, some translations say troubles. Some say tribulations, but take heart, be encouraged, don't give up in despair, I have overcome the world. Well, it doesn't look like it, does it right now? I mean, if you think about it, has he overcome the, the world? Well, why are there riotings in the street, why is there riding in the street, streets, uh, you know, all kinds of carnage and, and burning and all that, if he's overcome the world, it's not like that. It's not like he's conquered the world. But he's defeated sin and death and the enemy for those of us who will trust in him, put our faith in him, walk with him, and we're going to see that as the sermon unwinds here this morning. I love the Amplified Version. I uh, read this and I thought, man, i got to share this. I've told you these things so that, you, so that in me, there again, in him, you may have perfect peace. Perfect peace. Oops, I'm sorry, let me go back. Here we go. In the world you have suffering, tribulation, and distress, but be courageous, confident, undaunted, and filled with joy. That's a constant theme of Paul. Rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. And he wrote that from prison, chained to a Roman guard. Be courageous, confident, undaunted, filled with joy because I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished, my victory is abiding. Guys, we can experience that in this life no matter what we go through. You know, um, it says, again, I was just going to go back to where it talks about suffering, tribulation, distress, trouble, trial, sorrows. And you know, in our lives, sometimes those seems to, seem to come in clusters. <laughs> you know, it just seems like one darn thing after another at times. I recently did a, a funeral, and... Uh, this young man, 18 years old, senior in high school, with the pandemic and everything that's happened with the COVID-19, he, he lost the last part of his senior year. He lost being a, a starting senior in his favorite sport, which is baseball. He lost his mom. 
And then the university where he had accepted a scholarship announced the same week he lost his mom that they were closing permanently. Man, I pray for this young man constantly. Unbelievable. But you know, none of what happened to him did he have any control over whatsoever. That's the kind of world we live in, guys. You know, I heard, heard about a, a young husband recently, a young husband and father who was a nurse, went to New York City to help out with the, with the COVID crisis there, never came home, caught the virus, died of it. Young man in his late 30s, left a, a wife and two young children, two young girls. It just seems like there's an inevitability that things happen in this life to us, and it, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, junior high vol, uh, uh, dodgeball, <laughs> junior high gym class. For some reason, I, I think my, uh, my gym teachers were kind of sadistic, and we could have played basketball and a lot of other things, but during the months of November through March where you couldn't go outside and do anything, they had us play dodgeball. And they divided a huge junior high school. They had it, divided us you know, up in, in you know, like 30 on each side, Gave us two volleyballs and said, throw these at each other, you know. There were some kids there. Uh, this, junior high, when I was going to school, was 7th, 8th, and ninth grade. And they didn't pass you just because you finished the year. So there were some ninth graders and 11th grader bodies, you know. And, and I was a little scrawny kid, you know. And for the first half of the game, I could hide behind the big kids and not get hit by the ball. But as things kind of weeded out, eventually that ball was heading my direction. That's kind of how life feels, doesn't it? Eventually the ball's headed your direction, and there's no stopping that. Sooner or later, it's coming. But I love my second point. I love my second point here. Well, let's just look at this, because this leads into it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. To take refuge is to run out of the storm, out of the fight, out of the, 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 the crisis, into a fortress, into a stronghold, into a place of protection. And God says, I'm that for you. God says, I'm that for you. And so my second point is this. In Jesus, we have a buffer in life's storms. That doesn't mean that we're not going to be affected by it. You know, there's two really cool stories in the gospel. I think they're cool. The disciples didn't. Uh, uh, in the gospels about storms in the Sea of Galilee. One of them is they're out in the middle of the day, and they're crossing the Sea of Galilee. I've been across the Sea of Galilee. It is a big lake. It's called the uh, Lake, uh, lake Gennesaret, Sea of Galilee, same thing. It's about 100 times bigger than the reservoir. And you can see from one side to the other, but there's a long way across. And, and so to be out in the middle of that thing with a storm is really scary, I'm sure. I crossed it in a really nice day, and uh, the sun was out. We actually stopped in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and there was a wedding that was performed there. That was really cool. But in the first scenario that I'm going to talk about, there was a squall. You know what a squall is? It's a storm that comes out of, no, out of the blue, literally. Sky's blue, all of a sudden clouds form, and bam, there's lightning, thunder, wind, it's crazy. And that happens often on the Sea of Galilee. 
And the disciples were caught out there. And for some reason, I don't even understand how this is possible. Jesus was asleep. <laughs> he was asleep on the boat. And they're freaking out. Water, they're taking on water. There's wind. There's lightning. There's, you know, it's raining like crazy. And, uh, and Peter wakes Jesus up. And he's like, Jesus, we're about to drown. Don't you care about us? And Jesus gets up and stops the storm. He rebukes the wind and waves and the storm stops. Sometimes in life, Jesus intervenes and the storm stops. We're about to sink financially and we get a check. I remember uh, when I was um, not pastoring for, for several months uh, in 2013, I was given a, an extended sabbatical to kind of overcome some stuff I was going through at the time. And, um, and I was working a job that was where I was making less than half of what I make as a pastor. And we had reached about April... Uh, worked that job from January to June, through June, and about April we ran. We, we were running out of money. You know, we had exhausted you know uh, most of our resources in terms of like retirement, that sort of thing. And uh, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, we get a check from a, a family member for ten thousand dollars. Said, "Hope this helps." The, the storm just stopped because I was about to tell Deb, I don't know what we're going to do, but we're, we're sinking financially. And we got a check out of the blue. It was crazy. Sometimes Jesus stops the storm. But there's another story where he sends them across the lake after the feeding of the 5,000 so he can go up and pray. And he says, I want you to cross over to the other side. I'll catch up with you later. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, the wind is blowing. The waves are blowing. It's, you know, the rain, it's dark. They can't see. Like, like they're rowing against the wind. It's just horrible. And to make it worse, there's a ghost walking up to the boat on the water. Of course, it turns out to be Jesus, thank God. And he gets in the boat, and they reach the other side. Sometimes he stops the storm. Sometimes he gets us through the storm. Let me show you how biblical this is. Psalm 46, 1 and 2. God is our refuge and strength. And ever-present help in trouble. He's there, guys. He's there in the storm with you. He's an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not freak out, panic, despair, give up, throw in the towel. We will not fear. You know, the rest of this verse is crazy. The world is literally falling apart. Mountains are falling into the sea. The sea is rising and surging and and sweeping everything away. He says, we will not fear. We will not fear. And then Psalm 23, the shepherd's psalm, even though I walk through the darkest valley, or as some translations put it, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. This time it's not in, it's through. Okay? This time it's not in, it's through. Your rod and staff comfort me. The, the, your discipline and your protection comfort me. There's both there. God's discipline, God's protection. It's comforting to know that God is with us. You know, um, I want to tell just a quick story about a... Uh, uh, there was a young lady, a uh, young woman, young girl, actually, uh, at Emmanuel Christian Academy when my kids were there. Uh, her name is Hannah Young. Her parents... Derek and Edie are with us this morning. Our brother Keenan is here as well with his wife Kim. 
And uh, it was spring break, 11 years ago, during her senior year. She and Edie and, and Keenan and her boyfriend went down to um, Middle Tennessee to visit, and Cook, Cookville, Tennessee, to visit uh, Edie's mom, her grandma. And uh, it was a beautiful week. Derek stayed home to do some, some work that needed to be done around the house. And so um, they went down to visit grandma. And uh, they took the scenic route on the way back. It's a route that I know very well, 127, that comes up through uh, Kentucky. And they were in a little town called Dunville. Been through there many times myself. It's a one-traffic light little town in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I think there's a logging business there, and that's about it. But um, they were stopped at the stoplight uh, heading north, and uh, coming south, there was a car. I don't know if they were in their cell phone. I don't know what ha- actually happened, but uh, they didn't see the stop traffic in front of them going like 55 miles per hour, hit the car in front of them in the other lane and went airborne, landed on the front of the young's car right on top of Hannah. Uh, Hannah was killed immediately. And Edie was seriously injured, uh, a lot of bruising and and broken bones and so forth, but um, Hannah was was killed instantly. And uh, we were part of the the school at the time, and and, uh, the community was grieving, the family was grieving. It was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. The loss of a child, I think, is the most difficult thing you ever go through, let alone that kind of loss, I mean, that kind of accident. One minute, everything's fine. The next minute, everything's changed forever. But I watched this family walk through this tragedy. And I watched them lean into the Lord and trust Him through this loss. Derek jumped in the car and headed down to, to Kentucky to be with the family, to be with his wife who was in the hospital. And uh, all the way down he was praying. And he was like, we're not going to let this stop us. We're not going to let this loss, this, this terrible thing that's happened, destroy our family. We're going to turn this into good. We're going to turn this into a blessing. That Jesus was there and his spirit was there and comforted them. There was deep grief, but there was never hopeless despair. There was great loss, but never resignation to give up and die. And they linked arms with Jesus. And they turned this tragic loss into great blessing. Jesus is a redeemer. I don't know if you know that. He's a redeemer. And they joined him in the redemption. They created, uh, one of the things that they've done with this is they created um, a volleyball tournament that is uh, in Hannah's honor that has literally raised thousands of dollars for uh, Kenton Ridge grads, Emmanuel grads, and, and Derek told me this morning, now it includes Catholic Central. So students have had scholarships to go to college because they turned a tragedy into something redemptive. What a great way to respond to a tragedy. Things are going to happen, guys, in this life. It's rough at times. But I want to say, in uncertainty, we can trust in God's goodness. And as the young family did, we can even join him in that goodness, that redemption. 
By the way, I'm going to let them or ask them, invite them to share their story with us sometime. Just take the sermon time to share the testimony of all of that. But in uncertainty, we can trust in God's goodness. I love this scripture. We know that God causes all things to work together for good. I, I put this in the, NIV, or the NASB because this is the best Greek translation we have of this verse. We know that God causes all things to work together for good because he's a good God. He's a good God. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So let's, let's not live in fear. Let's not live like we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. I want to read, um, I want to read a quote from one of my heroes in the faith, Smith Wigglesworth. He says, if you're passing through difficulties, trials are rising, darkness is encroaching, and everything has become so dense you cannot see through, hallelujah, God will see you through. He is the God of deliverance, the God of power. He is near to you if you only believe. You know, David found himself in a really precarious situation. Psalm 34 is in the context of him escaping for his life when he was running from Saul who was trying to kill him, King Saul, king of Israel. And he went to, of all places, Gath, the home of Goliath, to hide from Saul. Now, don't you know the people of Gath were excited to see him? Goliath's brothers still lived there. And so somehow he's able to go to Gath and escape from there and not be killed by the Philistines or by Saul. God got him through that, that situation. And so he prays this prayer in Psalm 34. I'm just going to read a little, uh, just a few verses. I will praise the Lord at all times. My soul will boast in the Lord. Glorify the Lord with me. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Hallelujah. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord, Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Now listen to this. The angel of the Lord, which is the Lord himself, encamps around those who fear him. And he delivers them. I love this last part. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman. Blessed is the child who takes refuge in him. He's our rock. He's our fortress. He's our refuge. He's the one we turn to when things go sideways. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.